Hola and welcome to Catholic View. I'm Shayla Pitch. Thank you so much for joining me this Friday evening. Coming up in today's broadcast of Catholic View, we get to chat with Father Smangaliso once again. And this time around, we take a look at border control issues. But first, we bring you up to date with some of the stories that made headlines in the church and in Africa today. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. And in your headlines this Friday evening, Pope visits Rome University. African countries unite to tackle crop pest infestation. And South Africans brace themselves for ex-Dineo. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. Pope Francis visited one of Rome's three state-run universities this Friday morning. The Pope met with students and staff at University Roma Tre, which is located near the Papal Basilica of St. Paul's outside the walls. Lydia O'Kane has more. The rector of the university and architect Mario Panizza told Vatican Radio that he asked the Pope to come to this place of learning, taking into account the spirit in which it is working in its field. Panizza adds that they are one of 14 Italian universities designing many schools affected by earthquake-affected areas in Italy. In Rome, too, the university has also started up a residential program for students from various Mediterranean countries. Actions, he says, that may seem small, but can be useful in creating a dialogue for those in constant conflict. During his visit to the university, the Pope will hear testimonies from a number of students one of whom is Noor, a refugee who is studying biology at the campus. Speaking about his visit, she says, I am Muslim. The Pope immediately showed himself to be open, with no prejudices. I like him a lot. He's a real example. The rector, praising Pope Francis' commitment to the most vulnerable in society, says it's an important lesson for the student, but also for educators. On to some African news, 16 countries in East and Southern Africa have agreed on taking action to boost their ability to manage emerging crop pests and livestock diseases. UN News DNPEN has more. That was the outcome of a three-day emergency meeting organized by the UN Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, which wrapped up in Zimbabwe on Thursday. It was held in response to a major infestation of fall armyworm, a type of caterpillar that has affected at least seven countries. FAO said the insect, mostly associated with the Americas, is a new threat in southern Africa. For example, nearly 90,000 hectares of maize in Zambia have been affected, forcing farmers to replant their crops. 
Countries also stress the need to deal with emerging transboundary livestock diseases, such as bird flu, which could have a devastating impact on poultry production. They have agreed to coordinate and manage preparedness and response activities, among other measures. Some people in the Inyambani and Gaza provinces of Mozambique have refused to evacuate their homes despite the dangers of the ongoing cyclone Dineo. The cyclone brought winds of up to 200 kilometers per hour and more than 100 millimeters of rainfall within 24 hours. Authorities say they will have to forcibly move the resisting residents. Radio Mozambique says the people are still recovering from damages caused by the recent rains, which destroyed houses, electricities, as well as access to roads. Extineo hit some parts of Mozambique on Wednesday night, leaving a trail of destruction in Masinga, north of Inyambani, as hundreds of houses were damaged, trees uprooted, and electricity cut off. It was reported that seven people died. Meanwhile, South Africans brace themselves for heavy downpours, which could result in flooding after authorities warned about the impact of former cyclone Dineo. The South African Weather Services yesterday said despite tropical storm Dineo being downgraded to a tropical depression, residents should still take precautionary measures. The European Union EU has contributed 9.5 million euros to support a food security and nutrition project in central Tanzania operated by the World Food Programme WFP. DNPN reports from UN News. The project targets 40,000 people and also aims to reduce malnutrition rates. WFP will use the funding for what it calls an innovative program to meet the needs of the most vulnerable, especially young children, during their key growth phase, that is, the period from conception to age two. The project also aims to improve knowledge on nutrition, dietary diversity, and water, sanitation, and hygiene practices. Raising small-scale livestock will also be promoted, together with planting diverse crops and mobilizing villages to start small savings and loan groups. And finally, the UN's top official in South Sudan has expressed concern over the status of thousands of displaced people in the Upper Nile region. David Scherer, head of the UN mission in that country, UNEMIS, has described the lack of information about the situation of roughly 20,000 people there as a real problem. Mr. Scherer was in the northern town of Malakal on Thursday, his first trip there since taking up his post in January. Here is once again Dian Pan reporting from UN News. The UN mission believes the people have fled towards Kodok from Waushuluk, a town located eight miles north of its base in Malakal on the west bank of the River Nile. Unmis reports that fighting between government troops, the SPLA, and opposition forces has expanded geographically across the West Bank over the past week and shows no signs of abating, forcing more people to flee their homes. On Thursday, UN peacekeepers attempted to carry out a foot patrol to Waushuluk, but were prevented from doing so by government SPLA soldiers located at Waushuluk. A situation Mr. Shearer described as very frustrating. He said that we want to find out what's happened to those people and, if necessary, provide them with assistance.
Meanwhile, Anmis has described the government's relocation of internally displaced people through the capital Juba into Malakal as unsustainable if they are not also supported with humanitarian assistance on arrival. The UN mission also reported that the Shilluk population in Malakal has abandoned the town and are currently taking refuge in its protection of civilian site. The Shilluk are one of the many ethnic groups in South Sudan. Mr. Dickinson said Anmis is increasingly concerned that fighting is once again spreading across the Upper Nile region. And those were your headlines this Friday evening. Thank you very much for being here with me. You're listening to Catholic View this Friday evening. Coming up next, we bring you our feature program. In December 2016, Herman Mashaba, the mayor of Johannesburg, caused quite a stir when he said illegal foreign nationals should be treated as criminals. His renewed comments came after he was heavily criticized for making similar utterances at his 100 days in office speech last year, where he was denounced for being xenophobic. Most recently, the mayor of Johannesburg and the police task team have raided some suburbs in Johannesburg with the aim of putting an end to crime, drug dealers, prostitution and other criminal elements. Such raids brought about violent behavior as some residents took matters into their own hands by torching at least 10 houses belonging to apparent drug lords and a brothel owner in Johannesburg. Following a tense weekend in Rosettenville, where more than 10 houses were torched by angry community members who had had enough of the drug and prostitution problem in the area. A high-level government delegation led by Home Affairs Minister Melusi Kikaba visited the area in Johannesburg populated by immigrants who are said to be the culprits of the problem in the region. The Home Affairs Minister listened to community members' concerns as he visited some of the houses which were burnt over the weekend. At night, they use them the whole night as uh, uh, constitutes. And then in the morning, they lock them up. The only thing that they do, they don't, when you get a client, they take the money and then they feed you with drugs, they give you a plate of food. And then you don't go out because you will tell what is happening inside. That's what has been happening. And when we try to highlight through the structures, the CPF and the police, things still continue. And that's when the community said, let's go and tell them ourselves. The minister highlighted that the community's concerns are valid, but taking the law into their own hands will not resolve the issues. The concerns the communities are raising are genuine. They are very legitimate claims. They are very legitimate concerns. We need to respond to them. But to respond to those claims, the government needs to act as the only authority entitled by law to take any security measures in any community so that no community or community member must take the law into their own hands. Because we also need to investigate the claims that are being directed at, 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 at um, the, 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 um, the, the people who are alleged to be involved in crime. What is quite good in this community is that the leadership are saying very clearly that they are not accusing any immigrant of, of being a criminal. What they want 
is for government to take action against all criminals, whether they are South African or not South African. The president of the Nigerian Union of South Africa says rooting out of Nigerians doing drugs in the area is a priority. Let us do our work, let us do the fact-finding, and then we will now know what is happening. But on a, uh, I understand that some Nigerians are also perpetrators. You know, so we are standing uh, with all our binding uh, citizens of South Africa. Uh, to say that this crisis must be stopped. But community members say they have had enough. Uh, our problem in Rositinville is Nigerians. They are selling uh, uh, trucks in front of our children. They are selling the trucks to our children. They are making our children a bunch of children. They are doing whatever illegal thing that they can do. They are kicking people out of their houses because they want to put the mahoshas in their houses. So we are tired of that. The solution is the government must take care of Nigeria back home and take the Government will continue to meet with the community of Rosettenville to resolve the issues that they face in the area, but have asked for calm and for their residents to not take matters into their own hands. At the same time, some sex workers have condemned the raids, calling on government to provide jobs for them, and that as long as, as there are no jobs, they will continue with their current work. The community is not think for us. It's not all about having sex. I'm basically working for my kids because like, I haven't found a job in a long time. These clashes between residents and alleged criminals have also brought about a sense of xenophobia or Afrophobia, as Father Smangaliso Mkwasha explains. What is so sad about the term xenophobia is that it has become uh, almost so distorted that a, and, and very highly emotional that sometimes people forget to ask themselves some very, very, very critical questions. First of all, xenophobia, if I understand it correctly, according to the Greek, is actually literally the fear of or this positive dislike of uh, foreigners, of uh, and so now that can apply to any group, Uh, even during uh, uh, um, Hitler's Germany and so on. I think there was a form of xenophobia in the, the way they, 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 the Jews were blamed for everything and uh, persecuted. And there were pogroms in Eastern Europe, same kind of uh, thing and so on. Now, some people have preferred that with, uh, uh, they term Afrophobia in our particular instance, in the sense that uh, this negative attitude towards uh, outsiders or people uh, coming into the country yeah. tend to be, the victims tend to be mostly people from African countries and so on. Yes, but right. let's go, let's go beyond that. One, uh, some of the causes of the so-called xenophobia is the manner in which I think the government really is failing to have control over our borders. Our borders are too porous. You get all sorts of people coming into the country. Now, I'm restricting my comments to illegal immigrants, yeah. not those who come in legally with proper papers and they were honest and they are looking for a better life and so on. And so the illegal immigrants, because those come in and we don't know how many of them are in the country, and I confirm this with 
a senior official in um, in the department, yeah. you know, for, for uh, um, home, affairs. home affairs. When I asked him a question, he said, Smanalus, I'll be honest with you. I'm in this position, I'm supposed to know. But if you ask me a direct question, how many illegal immigrants are there in the nine provinces? Yeah. I don't think we know. And then, and then we also don't know the background, what background they have, whether they are criminals back in their home countries or not. Yes, yes, yes. And then the other uh, issue, uh, we cannot run away from that, is that some of them, maybe also for very good reasons, because they've got initiative, they've got work ethic, mm-hmm. they've practically taken over economic activities. In Let me talk particularly about your villages and townships and so on and so on. Yeah. And I can talk and speak from experience where in an area and in Kumalanga province, in quite a good number of uh, the, the, the villages and townships, mm. the foreigners have taken over uh, economic activities, including even spaza shops. Yeah. Now, that was, as, as I say personally, I admire these people for being entrepreneurial in spirit for being hard workers and so for providing services that uh, local people also need. But this is bound to, to generate resentment in the long term. And it has, experience has shown that it happens from time. And they, then uh, foreigners are blamed for crime, for drugs, drug trafficking, drugs, for uh, taking our local women and all kinds of things. And some of which uh, these allegations are not exactly fair. They are not only, uh, uh, these are crimes not committed only by foreigners, but also by locals. But it's just that experience all over the world has shown that if, where there is economic depression, there is uh, unemployment, there is a lot of su- social suffering and so on, uh, people tend to look for uh, scapegoats. Positively, what I think the government really should be doing, and even the NGOs, those who can afford it, let's find a way of encouraging foreigners and local people to work together in partnership, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the areas of business, you know, local business and, uh, and so on. Uh, two, let's also make sure that the... Uh, uh, your churches or faith-based organizations and other NGOs, including government and uh, uh, institutions and so on, that they and they almost preach and work actively against the spirit of uh, victimization of uh, foreigners simply because they are foreigners and they are blamed for everything else. But unless, you know, as I say, the government really takes also active initiative and encourages this cooperation, and unless the churches, now more from the theological, from the pastoral point of view, continue preaching the gospel, but also not only preaching words, but do encourage joint activities that involve foreigners and locals, we can expect lots of difficulties and problems as time goes on. Uh, Mayor Mashaba, I don't know how he put it, he may have put it very clumsily like the Zulu king, uh, but he's quite right in, in saying illegal, that's what if I remember correctly, you were talking about illegal immigrants. 
And illegal immigrants that are misbehaving, that are engaging in criminal activities, I don't think there is anything absolutely wrong in that at all. As long as he does not single them out to the exclusion of other local uh, uh, criminal elements. But it's quite correct that there, there are in, in certain situations where the majority of people that are actually engaging in uh, criminal and illegal activities are people that happen to be uh, uh, illegal. I want to emphasize illegal uh, foreigners. But given the situation, uh, but once those illegal uh, foreigners are in the country, they have settled, they demand services, they demand uh, all sorts of things and so on, you can, you can no longer pretend they don't exist. You've got to find a way of accommodating them, but also punishing those that are breaking the law. That would be really my immediate reaction to, uh, to that. But also to say that this problem uh, is no longer our problem locally. Look at Europe, look at the United States, look at other countries that are going out of their way to restrict entry of a uh, even more than just illegal immigrants, but the foreigners. So it's a huge problem. And like you said, I think the problem comes with the borders, controlling the borders, border control. Yes. I think it's, it starts there. That's where it begins. Stop, exactly. stop the influx of illegal immigrants, and yes. maybe then you'll be able to know where you stand as a country. You know, later, no, maybe not so light. What a friend of mine uh, told me was a foreigner, but uh, well, foreigner, but uh, entered the country uh, illegally. Yeah. She says to me, she laughs when I say, yes, but I mean, uh, border should be better controlled and so on. Says, Let me tell you how I came in. I got on a taxi from Swaziland to uh, South Africa. Mm-hmm. When we arrived at the border, I don't know which border it was, the, uh, there were a number of these uh, uh, taxis carrying lots of people, different people. So the uh, taxi driver says to us, the passengers, no, fine, uh, just stay here, uh, give me whatever paper you have, but you know, just uh, remain in the remain seated. I'll come back in about 30 minutes. He went to the, uh, uh, to the order officials. I don't know what he did, but the uh, outcome of his uh, visit and discussions with those officials was that he came back with some papers which he dished out to each and every passenger who was there. Mm. And according to those papers, they were actually allowed to get into the country. So they drove very nicely, comfortably into South Africa, end of the story. And after that, you can be sure that in a few months' time, those people had the uh, ID, valid IDs, with all kinds of legal documents. Wow. <laughs> so the problem definitely is much bigger than with the eye. And do you think that the current police raids that are happening, especially here in Gauteng, which, by the way, they say it will be carried out to other provinces as well, do you think that this will help um, when it comes to fighting crime, when it comes to fighting the the huge rise of drug lords in our communities, the rise of prostitution as well. I think the drug lords have found a huge market in South Africa. 
whether they are foreigners or who are local people and so on and so on. So the, uh, whilst obviously what is happening will help to a certain extent in terms of conscientizing local people, because this can no longer just be the problem of uh, the police, uh, many of whom also unfortunately do fall victim to bribe and uh, corruption and so on, and therefore make it easy for the drug lords to, to operate. Um, I would actually say that the, the, uh, what the government needs to do, yes, is to tighten up uh, its own laws, to implement the laws, not only just make laws and regulations and so on, but to make sure that there's even special uh, police units that are dealing with the uh, with this particular uh, problem, because uh, you can understand the anger of people who see these drug laws practically acting with impunity. Uh, the effects of the drugs on their own children, like and cocaine and even other forms of drugs and, and so on, destroying the lives, the health, you know, of uh, uh, of the nation. Uh, because it, uh, drug trafficking is as serious as that is jeopardizing the future of the, uh, you know, of the of the nation. So I do hope that what is happening in in Johannesburg, I mean, minus the violence that accompanies it, I hope that they, it, to some extent, it will help by raising the level of awareness, but also making it very clear to drug laws that the people reach a point when they are just fed up, they can no longer take it anymore. But it's, but the, also the other message to the uh, 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 police force is that, or police service, is that uh, people are saying, you guys are uh, doing some good work, but it's not enough. Because you are allowing a situation where these criminals act almost with impunity, they do exactly what they like. They are destroying our communities, our future. Um, just in passing, I remember on a trip to uh, Malaysia once, and then uh, just when we were about to land in Kuala Lumpur, the capital, the uh, captain, you know, uh, announced, uh, made the following announcement to the passengers. He said, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to land, and those of you who are visiting Malaysia for the first time, I just want to remind you, by the way, that uh, uh, if you are caught with drugs and you are found guilty in this country, you will be hanged. He was not even very <laughs> smooth about it. As quickly that you will be hanged. Yeah. Wow. So seriously, they take a, a, a drug a, a drug trafficking, and I'm sure it, uh, the same thing allows in China. They don't play. Mm. And some of the worst, you know, Asian countries where the scourge of, of, of drugs, in a way, has done a lot of havoc. And the governments, they have taken decisive action. They are not playing anymore. And unless we also uh, adopt not exactly the same uh, action of hanging people, but drastic, drastic measures, mm-hmm. zero tolerance and so on, all right, you still find some clever guys who will get away with this, that, and the other. But, you see, the, the problem here is that it, it has become so easy yeah. to do drugs and to, to traffic in, in drugs. And I think that's what lots of people are really complaining about. 
and is that uh, let's not make it more or less become a culture as it were. Yeah. Yeah. People must know that if you uh, deal in drugs, not only are going to be uh, arrested, that the communities are no longer going to tolerate your nonsense and we are going to deal with you. And if the police fail to deal with you, we'll take the law into our own hands and do it, which is a serious indictment, I think, on any uh, uh, government uh, with its salt, that people reach a point and say, you can as well not exist because uh, you are not doing what you are supposed to do, which is to protect the, 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 the citizens of this country and to ensure that people live in peace and uh, their uh, uh, peace is not violated by criminals. Well, Father, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for always being available and talking to us about some of the pertaining issues concerning um, our country, concerning the safety of all South Africans, all those that live in South Africa. Thank you so much for your time. No, it's a pleasure. It's always really a pleasure also you know, to get an opportunity to share with other uh, um, fellow South Africans, primarily, of course, your Catholic audiences, and the people who listen to the to Radio Veritas. And uh, it's a privilege and an honor. We appreciate that very much. And that brings me up to time. This has been your Friday's edition of Catholic View. Thank you so much for listening. Catholic View is a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. I'll be back again on Tuesday evening at the same time. Until then, do have a blessed weekend and stay safe. God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirsch.